Welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. In this episode, we will be hearing from Pastor Rob Wyatt. Now, before we get into this episode, there's a few things that we need you to do. We need you to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you listen, and be sure to follow us on social media. This way you can stay up to date on fresh content and brand new episodes. Pastor Wyatt is pastoring such a cool church, and the coolest part to me is that he started this church in Paseo, Oklahoma. The street that his church is on is loaded with cool restaurants, independent coffee shops, and even some hipster cupcakes. But it hasn't always been like that. Nevertheless, through the thick and the thin, the good and the bad, he stuck it out because he has such a passion for people and to see his pocket of Oklahoma City saved. I cannot wait to share his passion for people and this awesome content with you. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. This is Rob Wyatt, pastor of the Paseo Church in Oklahoma City, and I am so thankful to be with you today sharing some things that the Lord has laid on my heart. I want to certainly give thanks and honor to the Next Gen Committee and to its leadership in Rick and Val Hughes, amazing visionaries and leaders within our district. So thankful to the Oklahoma District for their forward thinking and the opportunity to impact all of you. I've been in prayer and I have been in seeking the will of God for today. And I do believe I have a word from the Lord for us. And I'm ready today to share it with you. We're going to go to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, verse 12, as a starting point. I want to point your attention to a verse of scripture that you've all heard before. And it simply says this But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In this verse of scripture, there's three little words, power to become. And I want to talk to you today about the power to become. It's not mysterious. It's not something weird. It's not something magical. It's not something you have to um, be some special person to, to, to achieve. It's the power to become a leader, the power to become whatever God's called you to be resides within you when God resides within you. And uh, well, let's let's dive into this. How many of you remember? For a minute, try to remember if you can't. Um, but think about the time when you were in, whether it was kindergarten, first grade, elementary school, whatever that stage of life was, when you were learning to write, when you were learning to write letters for the first time. Uh, remember that pencil, that oversized pencil, and that paper that had the dotted line down the middle and so you knew how tall a lowercase level uh, letter was and it had the full length so you knew how big the uppercase le- letters were it was a um that paper and you would and you the teacher would draw an a on the board or maybe you had a sheet of paper with a capital letter a on it and you would trace it and i remember for me i had a it, it, they give us a sheet of paper to trace in each letter. You have the capital A, then the lowercase a, then the capital B, then the lowercase b. And on, on the side of the, the capital A was arrows pointing which way to move the pencil as you draw the A and then how to make the lowercase a. And I can remember concentrating and gripping that pencil and holding it tight to where my hand was, you know, left indentions inside my fingers. And you don't even know how to hold a pencil. And the teacher has to come along and say, no, 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 you're holding it wrong. Hold it like this and breaking the lead because you're pushing too hard. And no, 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 you can do it like this. And 
and starting to trace those letters and, and, and turning in those sheets, trying to learn how to simply draw the letters of the alphabet. And now, if, if, if you're a normal American and you're of this age that we're reaching for next gen, you, you can write paragraphs and you never think about the strokes it takes to make an individual letter of what you're writing. And what this is, is something that we call a habit. A, a habit is uh, when the, the mind doesn't have to engage in actively thinking about a process any further. It's when your body actually becomes the habit, the, 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 or the, the mind, I should say, when the body becomes the mind, you take it out of your conscious, active thought process and you move the, the process of creation or, or doing this activity into your subconscious and you do it without even thinking. You, you, you can sit in a classroom now and take notes and write pages of notes and you never think about well, I have to draw the lay the, the capital letter A with three straight lines, and I've got to make it in this direction and that direction. And um, the the habit is when the bot the mind is actually in the body. The hand remembers how to do. It. We call it muscle memory, and our our body remembers how to do these things, and we do it without having to actively think about it. A habit is a gift of God. It is what allows us to ride a bicycle and to walk to talk, to hold a cup of coffee, to cut a piece of steak and to eat with silverware. We don't have to think about all of the different muscles and movements it takes to do these things every single time we do it. We, we learn something. It comes into our active thought and to our, we focus on it. We learn it. And then it moves into the subconscious, allowing our conscious mind to be free to learn the next task. A habit is a blessing. Um, now there are good habits and there are bad habits. We all have them. There's, there's none of us that have no bad habits. And of course, some bad habits are much worse than others. There's some bad habits that'll kill you. There's some bad habits that just annoy your friends like crazy. And there's some bad habits that, uh, like if you're talking all the time and say, um, that's a bad habit. It makes your listeners, um, feel like, um, that you're, um, very distracting and, um, it's a bad habit and we have to work because when we're learning to talk, we were learning how to phrase and how to speak. And some of you are maybe looking at public speaking, preaching. And when you're trying to think you stop and go, um, and it's a way of keeping our mouth moving while our mind is trying to catch up to us. And it's a it is a bad habit. And once you learn a bad habit, you have to now actively unlearn bad habits. Habits are good and they are bad. I simply say a habit has no morality. A habit is just the body's way of remembering to do what you taught it to do. And also, just because you have a good habit today doesn't mean it's going to be a desirable habit tomorrow. Some of our good habits become bad habits because other areas in our life outgrow that habit and it's time to forget those things and move on to new creations. Now, this is going to be um, very, very beneficial. Hang on, hang on. I, I want to talk to you about something that I, I think is going to really awaken you today. If you are a full-time student or a full-time, or you have a, a job with regular hours, especially as you move into adulthood and you step out into the workforce, you're going to develop some life habits and these aren't necessarily bad. You're going to have an alarm clock that's going to wake you up at the same time every day. 
You're going to get out of bed, probably on the same side of the bed, and you're going to go through the same morning routine, brushing your teeth, having your coffee, your bowl of cereal, putting your dish in the sink or in the dishwasher or washing it and putting it away or maybe just running to the car and and, and going to hit the drive through at Chick-fil-A. Whatever it is you do, you probably have a habit and you do it every morning. You're going to get in the car and you're going to back it out of the driveway, turning the same direction. You're going to go down the same street to the same stoplight and get on the same freeway or or, or highway or whatever it is you're going to, going to do. I lived about nine years of my life during my 20s and early 30s in, in Houston, Texas. And now, of course, I live in Oklahoma City. And for years going to my job, I'm getting on the highway at the same time. Houston had four million people in the city of Houston, fourth largest city in the United States of America. And I can remember getting on the interstate because I, I, I worked across town at a hospital on the other side of the city. And there were days I would see the same cars. I would pass the same cars or getting passed by the same cars at approximately the same place on the highway. And I realized that my morning habit was so fine-tuned that even that, that I'm, I'm passing cars that because their habits were so fine-tuned. We were all living by habit. We're all waking up at the same time, same routine, get out the door, get on the highway, get to work, and maybe you hit a time clock or maybe you just have to clock in on your on your on your on a telephone or on your computer at your desk or maybe you have to check in with someone wherever you go. But we have the same check in routine. Then we we do the same type of work and we have the same type of conversations with the same people. We do these things all day, eat approximately the same way every day with the same people. We get in our cars and we drive the same route home and we get off the same exit and we drive the same way into our neighborhood and pull the same way into our driveway. And we see the same old lady walking in the street every day and we go in our house and and then we we have our evening routine. We maybe get on our phones or we we have some 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 uh, event at the church where we have to go and be there for uh, a music practice or to clean the church or whatever it is you're doing. And maybe you've got days you meet with certain family, but we have these routines ending with going to bed and starting it over the next day. And what happens in many people, we live our lives by habit. We, we are an entire day will go by and we are just living by habit. And we never stop to allow the blessing that a habit should be to take over, which is active thought. We, we live so much on habit that we never stop to think and create and make something new happen in our life. I want new things to happen in my life, but if I don't do new things, nothing new will ever happen. Taking control of my thoughts is how to create a new reality. Second Corinthians 10 verses four and five, we, we've read it many times, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But look at this. What are these strongholds? Verse five tells us casting down, number one is imaginations. Number two, it says every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And number three, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It shows us imaginations, knowledge, and thoughts can be the sources of many of our spiritual strongholds. We have to be able to take control of our mind if we want to take control of our destiny, our imaginations, imaginations that can kill us or fears, worries, anxieties, worrying about things that might happen. And we're imagining worst case scenarios if I step out and do something new. 
knowledge. When you think you know it all, you're a very dangerous person. When you think that you know the end of a situation, you make assumptions about what's going to happen around you because you're not trying to gather more information. Your knowledge, or maybe I should say a lack thereof, can be very destructive. And your thoughts, overthinking things, trying to read other people's minds, just continually replaying what-if scenarios in your brain can create literal spiritual strongholds. And these can be very bad habits that are destructive to our spiritual lives. Um, let me let me keep going here. We can have ideas to where we sabotage our destiny. We can have a victim mentality because of a false knowledge of who we think we are. We can have beliefs that we will be forever insignificant and our lives won't matter. And these false thoughts are, are nothing other than spiritual paralysis. I, I want to take a quick moment. I don't want to get too bogged down in this. I've got a lot of notes and I, want to, I don't want to bog us down forever in some of this, but we need to know who we are. In Galatians 4.19, it says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Christ be formed in you. Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Christ be formed in you. We have this idea, and it's not altogether wrong, but I want to challenge a little bit of an idea that we sometimes have that we think we know. It says this, so God created man in his own image. So we say man is made in the image of God. But we need to understand something, that this Adam that's made in the image of God was really made in the image of the second Adam, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So before the world began in the mind of God, he had an idea, he had a thought, he had an understanding of a Messiah, a man on a cross as a sacrifice. And Adam was actually created in that image. And we go to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3. It says, Adam lived 130 years, begat a son in his own likeness. We need to realize something, that we're in the likeness of Adam, who is in the likeness of the second Adam, the image of God. I'm saying all that to say this. You have to have a knowledge that the image that you're created in is the image of the servant, the image of the sacrifice. The image of the man who did whatever the father said. You're not in the image of the omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, his word is law, God. We're created in the image of Christ till Christ be formed in us. An understanding between these two is very important because if you don't know who you are, you start to think, in idolatry terms. See, God is accountable to no one. God's word is the final authority. God submits to no one. God is never wrong. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing, and God is perfect, and we are not. So how are we in God's image? We're in the image of his son. This is the image of the man Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And when we recognize that my being in God's image is not about me being God, and me commanding angels and, and telling mountains to be cast into the sea, which certainly are things that in context are proper. But when we understand that we are first and foremost here to hear what God says and do what he says without arguing, that's being in the image of Christ. Jesus was submitted to the will of his father. He deferred his own opinions to the word of God. God. 
Over and over again, they asked him, what do you think? And he would answer with what the Bible had to say. We have to submit to God. We have to submit to the word of God. We don't tell God how to be God. We don't make demands of God. And we don't get angry when God doesn't do as we say. We've got to stop being immature, small-minded Christians who pray genie in a bottle prayers and Santa Claus wish lists and then get angry when God doesn't do what we've told him. Because when we get angry, that's showing that we think that we're God and he's supposed to be the servant. We need to flip the script and recognize he is always sovereign. And if it's not going the way you want it to go, it's probably because you haven't got the mind of Christ. A mind that says, not my will, thy will be done. I'm skipping over many scriptures to, for, the, for the brevity of time today. But uh, I, I have so many things I was going to try to back that with. I'm not going to do it. I think that many of us understand this. But I want to get down to... Um, some things that we need to understand, that we are children of the king. We are a royal priesthood. We are blessed and highly favored. We are chosen, equipped, called, anointed. And we're not like everybody else, but we're also called to not be puffed up. And we are all call, also called to be humble in all that we do. Now, this is important to understand to go forward about our habits because we need to understand that we have the ability to seek God and to see creatively. When God created man in the Garden of Eden, he formed this this man from dirt, and then he breathed into the dirt this breath of life, and man became a living soul. He was made on the sixth day like the other animals, but he wasn't made like the other animals. The other animals were not made the way man was made. We are different from the other animals. God always forms and then fills those things that he has a special purpose for. He formed and filled Adam. He formed the land of Israel and then brought the people into it from Egypt, filled the land. He does it over and over again. He forms you and then fills you with purpose. You're not like an animal, but the more like an animal we think and behave, the less like God, less like Christ that we are being. We have to realize that our animal nature and our spirit nature are forever in conflict. And the difference between them really is our ability to speak, to speak new things, to invent and to create. It all begins with your voice. He created the world with his voice. He didn't have to. He's in spirit form, but he said, let there be light. He didn't think it. He said it. And nothing is ever created until you can say it. Okay. And understanding you have creative power in you. You're not God that you get to create what you want to create, but you are Christ-like, and that your words have creative power. Now, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 4, 17 says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. He's speaking about Abraham. And he goes on to say, this is who Abra- this is what Abraham did. That, that He said, Abraham believed God who quickens the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. That's the kind of faith faith that we've got to have and realize that we can speak things that are not, that don't exist as if they're in the past tense, as if they've already existed. But it's not for us to go around making a Santa Claus wish list. We're not Yahweh. It's for us to speak things that are prophesied and promised biblically, to hear our father and do what he has said. That's our job to speak as the anointed one. 
And this is why you've got to have a life based on the word of God. You've got to be in the word of God. If you're going to be a next gen leader, you don't get this by osmosis. You get this by being in the presence of God, reading his word for yourself, praying his word and not being lazy. See, our habits want us to be lazy. Our habits make us comfortable. The more habits we have, the more comfortable our life becomes. And what happens in Christianity is we, we risk becoming very lukewarm because we live Christianity on habit. This is why so many leaders are asleep at the wheel of their own destiny. See, your thoughts, you might want to write this one down. Thoughts are the language of the mind and the spirit. Feelings are the language of the body. And as I already said, your spirit and your body are in conflict. So if you're living by what you feel, you are living according to the will of the animal side of your nature. This is why we have to stop and think. We have to put our minds in action and we can't be lazy Christians. We have to allow our mind to give us the ability to overcome what the body feels. See, do I want my body leading my spirit? No way. But if I respond to everything I feel, then I'm no different than an animal. Animals just respond to their feelings. I've got to be a man. I got to get beyond responding. I've got to get to where I'm acting out of purpose, acting based upon things that have yet to occur, acting upon my future, not on my past. My feelings deal with my acting today according to what happened yesterday. But when I can stop and think and dream and focus, my purpose kicks in because now I'm acting and I'm speaking and I'm behaving according to my future. This is the difference between man and animals. See, animals don't see into the future. They see right now. They see what happened yesterday. If there's any future for an animal that says, oh, I, can, I can attack that gazelle and have something to eat, that's as far into the future as the lion can see. But I, we can see eternal things. And the way that we see eternal things is by staying connected to the word of God and staying connected to prayer and realizing that there's power to become more than what we are residing within us. The way we bring the power to become to the surface is by seeing, by seeing through the lens of the word of God. A thoughtless life is a powerless life. We surrender our creative capabilities to mindless habits of flesh that that takes over the control of our lives if we stop thinking. You can go your whole day and never think, your whole day and never dream, your whole day. Next-gen leaders, you need to get rid of your next your uh, your Netflix. Oh, I said it. Because you're coming home, and especially during, we've been in a quarantine season that seems like it's never going to end, and everyone is watching Netflix, Amazon Prime. They're just watching entertainment, and all entertainment doing is doing is mindless amusements. And anyone who's a student of, of of word structure knows what amusement means. A is the prefix which means without, and to muse is to think. Amusements means without thinking. And if you're just sitting around playing games on your PS4 and all you're doing is watching movies to kill the time because there's nothing better to do, you are an idol in your destiny. Your destiny is rotting before your eyes because there's power residing within you that's wanting to become something great. But because we're not thinking and dreaming and speaking, our life stays in neutral when God has created us to break the sound barrier. Now, people come to God, generally speaking, people come to the Lord, either they're born into a 
church-going family, or uh, they come to God because of trials and trauma, transition, turmoil, all these amazing T words that go together. We become uncomfortable. I'm a first-generation Christian, and I came to God because of a crisis in my soul, in my spirit, a fear of going to hell, an awakening that there's an eternity that I wasn't ready for. I came to God because I was running from something, not so much running to something. I come to God and like many people do, we, we come to the Lord and we repent. We actively choose to change. God fills us with the spirit. We are baptized in Jesus' name. We start adopting Christian habits and lifestyles and the crisis is averted. We're comfortable again. And we, we create new religious habits where at first we had to really think about how to pray and think about how to go through these religious motions. And now it's, it's all habitual. And then we stop thinking. This is why churches are filled with people who've had the Holy Ghost for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they've never progressed beyond their new convert experience. What a tragedy. Because... A habit that made them comfortable as Christians kicked in and they never took their walk with God to the next level. We have to think and imagine and see ourselves further and farther than we are today. You've got to realize that God created you for greatness. And you might be in the sheepfold today, David, but there's a crown waiting for you. But if all you can see yourself as is a shepherd, if all you do is see yourself in the present tense, animal man, you'll never become what the spirit is, is, is inside of you to do. My goodness. My goodness. First John 1 12. I'm going to read it again. I'm not in first John. I'm sorry. John 1 and 12. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He didn't say he gave them power and they were the sons of God. He didn't speak in past tense. He spoke in the future tense. He gave them, as, as many as received him, past tense, he gave them, past tense, power to become, future tense. Just because you got the Holy Ghost yesterday doesn't mean you have arrived. There's something inside of you, in each one of you, that is destined to be great, to change the world, to transform the people and the circumstances and the surroundings around you. But it doesn't happen until you start to think. Get out of your habitual religious routines. Get into a place of praying big prayers, praying for an earth-shaking revival, praying for things that, that, that are so big that you struggle to believe if they're even possible, but you know they're grounded in the Word of God. See, again, you're not, you're not creating something from nothing. That's what the Spirit of the Lord does. But you're taking that word that was spoken and obeying it. That's what Christ does. You take that word that, that says that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And you start to pray for an all flesh revival. You realize that that same Joel prophecy that prophesied that we would in the last days, he's going to pour out that spirit upon all flesh will also be giving dreams and visions to servants and handmaidens, young men and old men and prophecies and say, God, I need a, prof I need a prophecy on my lips. I need a dream in my spirit. And you start to pray things out of, out of the cosmos and into your life, not, not wishing, not being silly, not, not, not making up stuff, but 
having a, having a response to the written word of God that allows God to become greater in your vision than he's ever been before. So what do you see when you look ahead? Who are you becoming? What plans must you, must you have in place? Dream, write it down and say it out loud every single day. You've got to declare who you're becoming. You've got to say it because if you can't say it, you can't have it. I challenge you to pray God's promises even when you're not certain if you're worthy or capable of containing them. Because it's not about what you think as much as it is about what you say. You've got to take it from thoughts now to actions. And your voice is that transitional thing that takes a dream and makes it a reality. So I challenge you, next-gen leaders, I challenge you. I challenge you to awaken to the power to become that is inside of you. Allow your thoughts to be challenged, but don't let it just stop with dreaming. Maybe someday my life will be different. Let those thoughts bring about words that declare someday my life will be different. There's a day coming when I will meet my destiny. There's a day coming when my life will impact my generation. My goodness, my prayer for you is that you never stop becoming. Never give into the spiritual entropy of habit. Never just get into a a habit of church, a habit of going to church and singing the songs out of memory without thinking about what they say. Raising your hands out of routine without realizing you're surrendering to the will of God. Responding to an altar call by just going to the front because we're like Pavlov's dogs that salivate when the bell is rung. We've got to stop being mindless Christians and actively pursue God with our whole mind, our whole heart, and our our whole spirit. And we... We bring these things to life when we have the courage to declare God's promises over our future. I challenge you, stop being spiritual animals and become spiritual beings. People who speak destiny and walk by faith and not just by sight. Thank you so much for your time today, Next Gen Leaders. Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to all of you. It's been a great privilege and an honor to to have this platform. If it blessed you, share it with somebody. If what you've heard today has been a blessing, let somebody else know about these, these next-gen podcasts. Every couple of weeks, we're trying to come out with another one and keeping it fresh. So keep, stay tuned every couple of weeks for a, a new one to come out and let the people around you know what a blessing it's been to you. You never know whose life you can change by sharing something like this with them. God bless you, and thank you for your time. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this episode. In our next episode, we will be hearing from Pastor Wyatt's wife, Michelle. Make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review wherever it is that you listen. This way we can reach more people with this awesome content.